0: With more resources that make accessing your coverage easier, Blue Cross provides you simpler ways of getting the care you need. We're here for it all, and always will be. Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. Confidence comes with every card.
2: Here to set your free Happy Tuesday, one week away from the election next November 3rd. Make a plan to vote if you haven't already. You can vote early, you can vote in person, or you can mail your ballot in. But right now, because you're just a week from the election, uh, there's an effort, and I want to jump on that, uh, to take your ballot to a ballot drop box and send it that way, as opposed to through the regular mail Uh, in this final week to ensure that your ballot gets to where it needs to go and to be counted on time. Okay, so if you're not going in person, you're mailing your ballot in, drop it off at that ballot box. You have uh, trouble doing that. Ask a neighbor if they can help you, if they can take you um, or if they're taking their ballot, if they can take yours to drop it off once you have uh, made your choice and sealed it um, and, and, and you like them and trust them. There should be no tampering. Right. Um, I'm Leslie Marshall, so glad to have back on the show a good friend of ours personally and professionally, Scott Paul, who's president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing, the AAM, which is a partnership established by some of America's leading manufacturers and the United Steelworkers Union. Now, for over a decade, Scott and the AAM have worked to make American manufacturing a top of mind issue for voters like you and for our national leaders who you're voting for. And they've done it through effective, effective uh, advocacy, innovative research, and a savvy PR strategy. More than a pleasure to have Scott back on the show. Hey, Scott, happy Tuesday one week
3: away, huh? One week away, and we did the uh, we did the drop in the, uh, uh, it, we did the ballots in the drop box uh, just within the last week, and it's a great to do it. I'm glad people are out there voting. It's encouraging to see.
2: I was supposed to vote today, but I got a sick dog. I got a nail in my tire. I swear every day I have a, you know, a, like, wow, I have that comes in the way. Um, but certainly um, uh, not not this kind of stuff that people have when they have COVID or have lost a loved one from COVID or they've lost their job and they're really concerned um, about jobs uh, coming back. I wish people, I, I wish the president would be as concerned about jobs as he is about campaign rally size, because that seems to be, I was just on Fox this morning and that, you know, how many campaign stops and how big uh, the audience is seems to be so important, um, you know, to, to people uh, when they're trying to criticize Biden. Look, I'm not gonna lie, in 2016, when I saw Bernie Sanders crowds compared to Hillary, I was worried as a Hillary supporter, but she got the nomination. But I have to say the crowds that showed up for Trump versus her, I said, if they show up to Mm. vote, we being Democrats are in trouble. Um, But uh, this time around, it's a very, very different election. Uh, I don't think, uh, you know, I think polling is very different. Um, I don't think we have that hidden Trump uh, supporter who said they were undecided, who doesn't want to vote for uh, the president. I I, I hope I'm right in that uh, this time around. And uh, I don't think there's anything wrong in having a very safe, as Joe Biden did today, um, and, and, and um, as he has been, you know, throughout this yeah. campaign, you know, there's this idea that he's living in the basement, but it's like the guy's going to four states in the next four days. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds pretty active to me. Um, yeah. Speaking of, uh, let's uh, talk about um, uh, Joe Biden, because um, he has a plan and he has a plan to revive Uh, manufacturing, to revive products made in America, but also to revive the idea of buying American. But you have to have products to be able to to buy, right? Uh, The president had made a promise to use the power of the federal pocketbook to boost U.S. manufacturing. Uh, But in 2016, Scott, a lot of people voted for him based on that. And he's fallen far short of that promise. Um, He promised a job bonanza and uh, the the manufacturing jobs in the manufacturing sector have fallen far short of what he has promised. Can you speak to that?
3: From a voting perspective, my advice to everybody is don't take anything for granted. Get get out and exercise your rights, and make sure that Absolutely. your friends and neighbors do. And and don't don't be persuaded by what you're hearing or what you're listening. But just just get out there and do it. Um. Uh. And 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 that that's the most responsible thing to do. So and and you're right. A lot of people uh, four years ago, I think, voted for. Uh, Trump for a variety of reasons, one of which was that he would talk about trade and buy America, hire America and manufacturing and and lots of blame and bringing the jobs back. Um, and I will say as someone who, you know, works with industrial workers that uh, in some respects, it was refreshing to hear someone talk about, you know, really fighting for those jobs and, and seeming to mean it. Um, and I also want to say before I launch into my criticisms that, you know, it's not like Trump hasn't taken some actions. He has. He certainly has taken some actions. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but by and large, they haven't been effective. And in some cases they've backfired. And in virtually every case, Leslie, he has overhyped what he's actually done, uh, which is not a surprise. I mean, that's a you see that in other aspects of his policy, how he conducts himself and his campaign. So it's not at all surprising that he would lead people to believe that he took care of a problem um, that is still out there. Um, And with respect to Buy America, it's abundantly clear because there wasn't a day that went by in 2016 where he didn't say the words Buy America, Hire America (laughs) at a rally, along with uh, Make America Great Again. And with a lot of fanfare, his first couple of weeks in office, he signed these executive orders, acted like he was going to do a lot. And then you know, what we have now are literally those pieces of paper and nothing more. There, there, there's nothing that has changed substantively and measurably uh, fr- from a government procurement perspective. And when we talk about Buy America, this is the federal government buying American goods to either build roads or build schools or, you know, put put in our Defense Department or wh- whatever it is. And it, he he really has not changed the rules in a significant, meaningful way. In fact, any of the changes that have happened over the last four years have been initiated by the Congress and, and by a group of Democrats uh, in the House of Representatives and also some Republicans to their credit, but, but folks who realize that we need to do this. and, and it, But it hasn't been of the president's making. And his Buy America, Hire America promises have literally been un, unkept. Unkept. And in fact, the administration has allowed companies who have offshored lots of jobs to still compete for federal contracts to get your tax dollars, my tax dollars, the tax dollars of hardworking Americans in those factories. Uh, this administration is still allowing those companies to, uh, to, to compete for, for business. You know,
2: we talk about the message, you said buy American, hire American, and that message is being delivered now and out by Donald Trump, but by former Vice President Joe Biden. Um, Certainly Biden wants to and needs to win back those blue collar voters who deserted the Democratic Party and Hillary Clinton, the Democratic nominee in 2016. She lost Michigan, Michigan, missing, combining two states, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Uh, and that really put Donald Trump over the finish line and into the White House. Uh, like you said, you know, there are a lot, you talk to these industrial workers and these blue-collar workers, um, Bill Clinton had told his wife, don't forget the disenfranchised, um, you know, uh, blue-collar uh, voters, specifically the white, blue-collar male um and she did i mean she didn't you know visit those states um some people are surprised some people think that joe biden should be doing better in pennsylvania spending more time in pennsylvania but he is talking about um buying american um, and he does have a plan which we're not hearing i mean the, the president has a lot of rhetoric but not specifics um there, there is a four-year plan coming out of the biden campaign uh and uh the former vice president to spend 400 billion on federal government purchases of an array of American-made goods. And he also promises to invest another 300 billion to develop technologies like electric vehicles or 5G networks, artificial intelligence. Those two initiatives combined will help create at least 5 million new jobs in manufacturing and innovation. How does this message resonate now in 2020 with the industrial workers you're talking to, Scott, versus the message that Donald Trump had by American, Hire American in 2016?
3: Yeah, I I think that's a that's a very good question, and I I will say um, I'm I'm excited by his plan. It's all about what you do once you're in office, of course, and you got to hold someone's feet to the fire, no matter if they're the city clerk or the president of the United States. Uh, It's our obligations as citizens to make sure they're following through over on on what we told them was important to us, Uh, and so. Um, that work would obviously have to be done. But the plan that he has put together um is a good plan. It, it's something that we have been calling for at the Alliance for American Manufacturing for almost 15 years now. And nice to know somebody's listening, right? It, it it is nice to know someone's someone's listening and, and ha- has a very specific plan on, on on what to do. And I, you know, I, I think the important thing to understand is that. Um, And I'm just going to take a step back and look at this from a manufacturing worker. So because four years ago, you know, you got you got sold this hype by Donald Trump that he would bring all these jobs back. And again, he did take some actions. He did some tariffs. He did some other things. Um, We we saw a a blip of factory activity. uh, that, that was helped along by a lot of other things.
2: Scott, hold that, that thought. My apologies. I was just told we got a break fast. I didn't get a back uh, time, so I apologize. We'll take a break. We'll be right back to you. I apologize for right. interrupting. Back with Scott Paul, president of the AAM. Back after this.
1: If you miss Leslie on TV this week, catch up at lesliemarshallshow.com.
2: We are back. He is with us. And sorry to interrupt Scott Paul, president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing. Um, Scott, uh, thank you for holding. Welcome back. We were talking before the, the break. Um, uh, Joe Biden, former Vice President Biden, uh, hoping to win back blue collar workers. Um, promising with a four-year plan to spend $400 billion on federal government purchases of an array of American-made goods and also promising to invest another $300 billion to develop uh, technologies like electric vehicles, 5G networks, and artificial intelligence. Uh, I also mentioned that that would, if it happens, create 5 million new jobs. And let's talk about manufacturing jobs. As your president of the AAM, that would boost manufacturing jobs to around 17 million. If that could happen, that would be a level not seen in the United States um, since uh, 20 or more years ago. I asked you before the break and you were responding to um, the uh, reaction to this, uh, these types of specifics and proposals in 2020 uh, with the industrial worker, the blue collar worker, um, versus in 2016. Uh, where many of these workers voted for Donald Trump on the promise there would be more jobs, these factories would come back and specifically manufacturing jobs be created. And like you said, he's done some, but nowhere near what he has promised or what people thought he would deliver that led them to vote for him. Um, are people angry about that, that you talked to? And, and please continue what you were saying as well.
3: I, I think the, the gap between the rhetoric and the reality is very frustrating. And obviously, the president will have his diehard supporters who will see him doing no wrong. Um, But people with an open mind are going to look at the results. And what they're going to see is that, you know, like Carrier in Indianapolis, which he said he was going to save, still shipped a bunch of jobs overseas. The Foxconn plant in Wisconsin that he said would bring tens of thousands of jobs to southeast Wisconsin um, is, is basically a warehouse with virtually no workers, and, and they're never going to make display panels there. Um, Harley-Davidson, even though he threatened them, still offshored jobs. And, and companies are still doing that. In fact, uh, the Labor Department certifies plants for trade adjustment assistance so the workers can get help getting back into the workforce. And over the past four years, they've done more of those uh, certifications they did than they did in the prior four years of the Obama administration. So so things are not getting better. In fact, in a lot of ways, they're, they're getting worse. And the the trade actions that the president took, because they weren't backed by anything else, like they weren't backed by a big domestic investment uh, in infrastructure or procurement, or they weren't backed by serious talks with China to the deficit. You know, we we've dug it we've as a result, we've dug ourselves a real hole. And so one of the ways to get out of it is to invest, as Joe Biden has proposed to do, both in procurement and in infrastructure and in clean energy manufacturing. Um these would be uh you know, these would be huge uh, job creators for manufacturing and other uh and and other types of jobs at a time that we're gonna desperately need them over the next couple of years.
2: Do, do you think, um, Scott, that you know because of COVID, because of this pandemic, the shortage of medical equipment in our nation yeah. during this pandemic, which we may have a shortage again with winter fast approaching, um, has that re-energized efforts to encourage domestic manufacturing even if the cost is higher?
3: Yeah, yeah Leslie, it, it sure has for a number of folks, but I, I'll be perfectly honest, there are still two schools of thought on this. There's some that are like, well... If we can get the cheap stuff from China, why shouldn't we go ahead and 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 do that? Um, which is kind of short-sighted because there's quality concerns. You know, if the pandemic is global and other countries are first in line, you know, we're going to end up with shortages anyway. And and the other school of thought, and I've talked to a lot of people who have done this. Um, and I'm thinking even right there, you know, where you are in LA, um, these guys that used to make like lacrosse. Uh, l- lacrosse nets or the the little baskets for the l- lacrosse sticks you know, have gone into uh, making ppes because they see a real future for it and and they see a need and when they put out the call and this is just a great example the company's called String Kings but when they, when they put out the call they said hey we're thinking about making ppes the 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 founder of this company had like 800 emails within 24 hours from hospitals and others saying we can we can use this we can use this and, and you're right so this is like we're entering this this you know next phase where there's a lot of hospitalizations there's a lot of cases there's going to be demand and so there are uh, a number of folks who want to do this now th- there are serious policies in the Congress to do this uh, that have been mostly offered by Democrats some by Republicans but mostly by Democrats and Biden also has a plan to uh, reshore PPE production as well uh, that, that he unveiled over the summer. And, and I think it's very important to use the power of federal procurement to do that. Because when you think about the buying power that we have through Medicare, Medicaid, the VA, um, the Defense Department, every agency that provides some sort of health care, we, we can cr- both create a market and make sure that it's made here at home. But you, but you got to follow through on those policies. And I, they're, they're, I mean, I don't know what the Trump administration has been doing, but it hasn't been focused. It hasn't been consistent. And we're importing more PPEs now than we were at the beginning of the pandemic as a result. You know,
2: we talk about PPE, but something that kind of goes hand in hand with that um, is uh, medicine, pharmaceuticals. Yes. Um, and, you know, uh, Stephen Ubel, who's president and CEO of Pharmaceutical Research and Manufacturers of America, he said that increasing U.S. manufacturing of medicines is a laudable goal. Um, You know, we know these things can't happen, you know, overnight. um, But these are things that involve national security, um, our health, as well as job creation. Uh, Any politician should be really
3: pushing for this. They should be. 80% of the active ingredients for the key types of antibiotics uh, that are useful for treating things like bacterial pneumonia, other things that might be even be a side effect uh, or a symptom of of COVID, um, they're manufactured in Italy, India, and China. And and so if you, again, have another disruption in supply chain, you end up with shortages here. And and it just doesn't make sense. We know we have the capability to do this because we used to make all this stuff, but it was greed, profits, other sorts of incentives that sent this stuff overseas, and the fact that we didn't have a policy that said we should at least be able to to provide our basic medicines and and produce them here at home, we never had that policy. And so, I think it would be a good one. I think, in fact, I think it's a necessary one for public health. And I think it's actually something that we do very well at. We we know how to make sophisticated products. In the United States, we have innovation, we have good machinery, we have skilled workers, we can absolutely get it done. It's only really greed and political will that kind of stand in the way from from executing that goal.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk more with Scott. In the meantime, uh, check out the website for Ameri- the AAM, AmericanManufacturing.org. On Twitter, follow them at KeepItMadeInUSA. Follow Scott at ScottPaulAAM. On Instagram, follow them at American Manufacturing. And on Facebook, Facebook.com forward slash American Manufacturing. We're going to be back with Scott talking more about this and other items. The election is one week away. Make sure you vote. If you mail it in, drop it in the box, or get out there and vote. If you're safe, wear a mask and social distance. We'll be back in a moment.
1: Follow Leslie on Twitter. Just go to www.twitter.com slash Leslie Marshall, and we'll be sure to share your tweets.
2: We are back. I'm Mr. Marshall, welcome, or welcome back. Our guest is Scott Paul. He is president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing, the AAM. And as I said before the break, because that was fast, website AmericanManufacturing.org. Follow him on Twitter at ScottPaulAAM. Follow AAM on Twitter at Keep It Made in USA. On Instagram at American Manufacturing. And on Facebook, Facebook.com forward slash American Manufacturing. Scott, before we uh, go on to a different issue, Um, You had said, and I love this, quote, um, when you talk about uh, the orders, the executive orders that the president signed um, with regard uh, to manufacturing, uh, you said there hasn't been a really discernible change in policy. It's been all hat, no cattle. Um, uh, I I, I like that. And um, it
3: sounds like something Jim Hightower. uh, Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. We just heard it (laughs) say exactly. Um, But I want to I want to talk about that. Um, and not just specific with what happened in January of 2017 when the president uh, signed a memo to advance the construction of oil pipelines, which he said would put a lot of steel workers back to work um, by encouraging the use of American-made steel. And you said, quote, unfortunately, the presidential memorandum never amounted to a hill of beans. And you spoke about this earlier on the show. A number of companies that make energy pipelines have in fact closed down or laid off workers. And since covid that I would imagine that's, you know, even, you know, become uh, worse. Um, so if you could speak to some of those empty promises and, um, you know, why it seems like, uh, you know, what's being proposed by Biden looks good to you as somebody who cares about those in the manufacturing sector, especially with regard to job growth.
3: Yeah. yeah and I th- I think having a sustained focus and a, a broad strategy are, are the are the two lessons that we can take Away from this, and and unfortunately, over the last four years, we haven't seen a sustained focus or uh, kind of a grand strategy. Um, and 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 I think that's where the challenge lies: is that you did with some of Trump's trade actions get like a sugar rush effect, and some steel mills reopened um, and 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 kind of came back online, and um, and, and but. Over time, that advantage eroded because there was no follow-up. There was still a a boatload of steel being made all over the world that needed to shrink. It didn't shrink at all. It didn't shrink. And so when that little sugar rush was over, things got bad, and things got bad in the energy sector. Consumer confidence was kind of leveling off. Uh, And this is all before COVID, uh, Leslie, by the way. And, and so you saw st- you saw blast furnaces start to shut down again, and and uh, particularly those that that fed into making energy pipe and, and, and energy pipelines and what have you, because, you know, th- those oil companies don't want to buy American pipe. They, they want to buy the, the cheapest pipe possible, which makes you think about what they're putting in the ground anyway right. and, and how secure it is. Uh, and, and, and Trump wasn't about to, to tell them no. And so I, you know again, you, you got to hold any president accountable. But, you know, what What Biden has put together with a plan to kind of restart the economy, make much needed investments in infrastructure, in clean energy, in procurement, uh, in innovation. Um, I, to me, there's a lot of potential there. And obviously, you got to get Congress to go along with it. You have to su- have a sustained focus on it. And at the same time, you can't ignore the trade piece of this. And, and the lesson we should take away from Trump is not that tariffs aren't, uh, tariffs don't work uh, or, or to mock them, but say there's a way to do this smarter and there's a way to do this more sustainably. And there's a way to do it with allies as well to put the pressure on where it really needs to be applied, which is for the most part, China. Uh, and, and so You know, it would be better if like you had a Joe Biden and a Justin Trudeau and leaders from all over the world who could who could pressure China together. Instead, Trump wanted to go it alone. And it became a huge mistake because it pitted everyone against the United States instead of the, 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 you know, industrial democracies being able to speak with one voice about the problems that we see in China. Um, and that was a challenge uh, that, that that Trump was never able to never able to take on. So just to to, to give you a, your your listeners a snapshot right now, we have fewer manufacturing jobs now than we did than before Trump took office. Okay, That's number one. During Covid, we've lost so many manufacturing jobs that of of all the the million plus manufacturing workers who lost their jobs since the pandemic, uh, there are still, you know, about six hundred and fifty thousand who are out of work. Um, and and that's far too many. Our trade deficit, which Trump used to talk about all the time, reached a record level, reached reached a record level uh, in August. Uh, and so all the metrics that I think would be important to a functioning domestic manufacturing economy, unfortunately, They've been heading in the in the wrong direction. And I just, I don't see a plan out of this administration to get us out of it. And ignoring COVID is the worst thing that you can because You gotta give people confidence that there is an end in sight to this at some point in time through smart public health measures and wearing masks and delivering effective treatments and getting the vaccine and, and doing all the things that you can to, to stop the spread of this. But, you know, none of that has happened. It's all contributed to just a really, really bad year for obviously for a lot of people, for a lot of different reasons. Uh, but it's been a it's been a grim, grim year for, for factory workers as well. Absolutely.
2: I uh, want to switch to uh, another topic, uh, not that different, um, but uh, a new report by EPI Director of Trade and Manufacturing Policy Research, Robert Scott. Um, uh, data analyst Zane uh, Mokever and research assistant Daniel Perez, they examine the economic output and employment implications of a 2 pronged strategy for rebuilding the economy around high-wage jobs and around American manufacturing. And what the authors found was that rebalancing trade by expanding exports and expanding public investments in infrastructure, clean energy, and energy efficiency are the keys to generating at least 6.9 million good jobs um and in the process they would rebuild american manufacturing and the uh, american economy uh, are they listening to you as well scott your thoughts on this
3: yeah so a, l- a little bit about that report and the economic policy institute does great work we, you know we had put together like an industrial policy and we said if we invest money in infrastructure if we invest it in clean energy if we also take real steps on trade to rebalance the trade deficit, okay, uh, w- which is a multi-pronged thing—you got to have better deals, you got to have better enforcement, you, you got to make sure the dollar is appropriately valued for being able to export, um, and 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 you have to make sure that uh, that our manufacturing is competitive. So if you do all of that, you know, w- what's the job creation potential? And you know, and when you plug in the numbers. Um, Again, it's, it's pretty phenomenal. You can create at least 6.9 million jobs uh, in the entire economy, many of those in manufacturing. Uh, when you consider the what are called the induced effects of that, these are these newly employed workers going out and buying groceries, buying pickup trucks. You create even more jobs through that economic activity. If you give millionaires a tax cut, it doesn't mean they're going to buy, buy another pickup truck. They you know they're, they're going to invest in the stock market. But if you give a working class person a job, they are going to buy something that's going to create jobs create jobs in the rest of the economy so so yeah it's 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 a it's a it shows the potential if you have a sustained economic focus on creating manufacturing jobs of what is possible even in this era of globalization automation robotics if we make the smart investments the right investments we we actually can create a new manufacturing base it's not going to look like the 60s, the 50s. We don't want it to. You know, we, you know, it's going to be a diverse manufacturing base, um, and we will be the leaders in clean energy manufacturing and electric vehicle production, and in a lot of things for, for a generation to come if we were to do this. And so it is perfectly within our grasp to do this um, if we have the political will, um, and, and that's, that includes obviously the, the president uh, and the Congress as well, uh, to, to get this done.
2: Um I you know, when you look at this two pronged strategy, the first would be adopting trade and industrial policies uh, that dramatically boost u s. exports and eliminate the u s. trade deficit. Regardless of political party, why wouldn't any politician in the House or the Senate propose something like this? Just taking the first of the two prongs? or any president? um and 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 where has this president been with regard to uh, the trade and industrial policies? it seems like a no-brainer. Why wouldn't you want to boost U.S. exports? Why wouldn't you want to eliminate the trade deficit?
3: Yeah, it's, uh, well, again, if you listen to the president rhetorically, you would think that he both cared about it and did something about it. The reality is that a lot of his policies worked against what he said he was trying to do. And so if you give tax cuts to millionaires, um that doesn't reduce the trade deficit and that doesn't mean you're going to invest in american manufacturing that's just not the way that it, happen- it happens if you do the infrastructure investments if you invest in clean energy manufacturing um and if you if you if you have meaningful trade agreements then you can do it. Um, but the rhetoric alone, that doesn't get the job done. And tweeting at companies, that sure doesn't get the job done. As much. Absolutely. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with Scott Paul, president of the AAM.
2: Uh, one more time for those in the back. The website is AmericanManufacturing.org. On Twitter, follow him at ScottPaulAAM. Follow at KeepItMadeInUSA for the AAM. On Instagram at AmericanManufacturing. And Facebook.com forward slash AmericanManufacturing.
1: Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Truth. The Leslie Marshall Show.
2: Back with Scott Paul, President of the Alliance for American Manufacturing. Scott, thank you for holding. Welcome back. Um, We were talking before the break um, specifically about a new report that came out by EPI Director of Trade and Manufacturing Policy a uh, uh, research, Robert Scott, a uh, data analyst, a research assistant. And we were talking about a two-pronged strategy, and we touched upon the first more so. Um, I want to talk about the second. And the second element of that strategy is a four-year, $2 trillion program of investments in infrastructure, clean energy, and energy efficiency improvements. Uh, and this would include investments of $70.2 billion per year in schools, and broadband, um, and that would have substantial social benefits. Yeah. You and I have touched upon this in the past, um, but in an election year, we're one week away from an, uh, an election. Infrastructure is an area where you have bipartisan agreement. Infrastructure is an area where voters all say, "We want our bridges to be safe. Uh, we want our roads to be in good conditions." Uh, in, in good condition, and uh, you know, regardless of how people feel about science or, or climate change. Uh, renewable energy clean energy uh energy efficiency improvements we can all at least agree on infrastructure why hasn't that been more embraced um by republicans uh and by this administration when you look at still our very poor rating with regard to infrastructure in our nation especially at a you know at a time during a pandemic
3: yeah, yeah. I mean, they I, I don't know how broad this is nationally, but you know, one of the inside jokes in
0: Washington
3: is Infrastructure Week, and oh, here comes Infrastructure Week. Uh, we'll get these people talking about infrastructure, nothing will happen, and some crisis will erupt that will get people off message about it. Um, and, and I think that's been the challenge. Like, if you had a president, and you know, initially who was able to sit down with, uh, with, with Speaker Pelosi, um, and, uh, Mitch McConnell may be a harder sell on this, may have been a harder sell, but, but say, look, we want to get this done. We want $2 trillion. Let's get to it. Yeah. I, I actually think that's something that we could have accomplished. And, and why do I say that? I agree. You know, everybody has roads. Everybody has bridges. Everybody has potholes. You know, people see the shape school or broadband are in, uh, People want safe drinking water. I mean, this isn't speculative, like you're wondering if this is a good idea. Of course this is a good idea. Every community needs this, and it's not a Republican or a Democratic thing. Um, And, you know, if you're looking at it from a political willpower issue, this is one of the rare issues that business and labor agree upon and and think is a great idea. So this is like a slam dunk. Um, And and I, I wish I knew... Why this didn't happen? But one of the reasons is certainly that the the president didn't have a focus on it. Again, he would talk about it, but then you got to show that leadership. You you got to pull people together, um, and and get that done. And one thing we know, Leslie, is that from the last big turn down uh, downturn we had, you know, the Great Recession, um, you, you know, what helped to get the country back on its feet? Obviously, the Recovery Act you know direct payments to people who needed help you know to help pay the bills that's something that that where there was a return to the economy um, because of, and, and get that done. it it got these folks back in but 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 and, and he, but here's the thing the other thing that helped was infrastructure and, and making those investments and the and the, the money you put into infrastructure you know is returned to the american taxpayer through other ways and so i hope I hope that once we are past this election, that this becomes a priority and that we get this done because the need is apparent. Um, the, the results are great. And uh, there, there is a coalition that wants to do this. And so it is laid out perfectly like it's the red carpet for whoever wants to, to walk down it and, and take it and, and get it delivered. We can get it done.
2: You had said, and I quote, job losses, and i I were going back to trade deficits, because I I wanted to circle back on that, um, because there was something else I wanted to ask you there. You said, quote, job losses due to growing U.S. trade deficit hit manufacturing industries particularly hard, shrinking the share of middle class jobs available to workers without a college degree. Can you talk about why and how that could be
3: different going forward? Yeah, there's nothing inevitable about this, and this is where, you know, there's a debate among economists, but when you look at the data, um, what, what, what impacts manufacturing jobs in order are, number one, how the rest of the economy is doing. If the rest of the economy is doing well, manufacturing has a chance to do well, too. Number two is what share of the global pie do we have? Like, are we competing globally? Um, how are we doing compared to Germany, compared to China, compared to Japan? Are we selling more or are we importing more? And and where are we ranked there? And the better we do there, the more opportunity we have to create manufacturing jobs. We, we, conversely, if we shrink, as we have been, unfortunately, over the last two decades, uh, we, we lose manufacturing jobs. Then it is also true that, that Factories become more efficient, and we do have robots and we do have automation. But generally, what that has meant is that those workers can do even more high value stuff within manufacturing. You can expand your product lines, you can invest in new products, you can do all sorts of things. It doesn't necessarily mean that people are going to lose jobs. And so, that's you know, so it, it, it isn't rocket science in terms of how we grow manufacturing jobs. Make sure the rest of the economy is doing well. Number one, infrastructure is a way to do that. Number two, make sure that we are improving our global market share. We do that through a smart trade policy, which means good trade agreements, good trade enforcement, uh, a smartly valued dollar, and competitiveness measures to make sure that we have skills, to make sure that we have innovation, and that we have the right tax incentives to keep jobs here at home. And so when you get that, um, we can grow manufacturing. And we grew manufacturing jobs from 2010 to 2018. Um, they, they grew, uh, in the, uh, but at a rate, and we can certainly turbocharge that, uh, if we have some investment, we, we know the roadmap to do it. All we got to do is, 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 start the engine. Climate change, um, does climate change
2: and confronting specifically climate change, um, you know, is that ne- is it is it necessarily is it needed? And if so, how urgently with regard to addressing uh, the manufacturing sector and jobs within the manufacturing sector and
3: job growth in that sector? Yeah, it's urgently needed, Leslie. Obviously, there's there's evidence literally all around you of, of the impact of, of climate change in many ways. I mean, Japan which wants to safeguard its manufacturing base announced the plan to be carbon neutral um within the next couple of decades. And so this isn't a pipe dream. This is something that 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 is a, we have an urgent need to do um for humanity, for health, for all sorts of different reasons. But there is an opportunity for manufacturing here. And I, I thought of the 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 you know the comment that Joe Biden made with respect to oil, that was taken out of context, obviously. Um, but when you look at Texas, and, you know Trump is like, "Oh, this is going to kill them." When you look at Texas today, you know the industry that is like, I mean, it goes up when energy prices go up, but otherwise it goes down. Is is kind of oil and gas. What you see throughout Texas, though, are investments in clean energy. You see massive uh, wind turbine generation uh, in the texas panhandle you see tesla building a factory in austin texas that's going to make electrical vehicles and so it's not like this is like you know this this is something that other people are going to be doing if we have the right policies we we can grow this all over the country and i you know i can't wait until we see a a a huge number of electrical vehicles that are fords and gms and uh, You know jeeps and buicks are offering i mean that's just right around the corner and if we have the right policies they will be made here by union workers and we'll have supply chains all across america or we'll just let china do it for us if we don't have a strategy or a policy but either way that's going to come and i think we need to lean into it and be smart about it and embrace it some people would
2: say because you know this global pandemic we have a deep recession that was caused by the pandemic Um, Are uh, does that mean that it's more urgent than ever to do some of these, um, you know, or propose some of these plans and ideas and move forward with them with regard to manufacturing Um, or do does does that do you need to reframe it in a sense as a result of the deep recession caused by a global pandemic? Very quickly, only 60 seconds left. Yeah. I always
3: forget we have little time because I enjoy talking with you. Leslie, I can do this fast. The, 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 the paths forward are first, get the pandemic under control. Um, and then if you lay out your plan you create some certainty for the business and the investment community. And and it's just been, there's been so much uncertainty over the last few years, because Trump could tweet something one day, do something the next, and then you have the pandemic and no one knows what's gonna happen. So if you create that certainty and you show there's gonna be a path, we're gonna be better off. Manufacturing is gonna be better off. And I know those factory workers, they wanna get back to work. They wanna keep their families safe. Um, but they want to make things that are important to our economic future. Those electrical vehicles or those PPEs, we got to give them a shot. So that, that, and I think, like I said, we're ready to start the engine. We just need the right, uh, the right vehicle to get there. Right. Absolutely.
2: (laughs) Uh, Scott, Paul, uh, please go to the website, AmericanManufacturing.org. Follow on Twitter at Keep It Made in USA. Follow Scott on Twitter at AAM. Instagram, at American Manufacturing. And on Facebook, Facebook facebook.com forward slash American Manufacturing.
0: You can hear it in the empty theaters, in the empty stadiums. Hope is setting the stage for a comeback. When life's victories will be sweeter, we'll celebrate how far we've come and learn that all we did we did for each other. Spread hope, not COVID. Michigan.gov slash coronavirus. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. You can hear it in the empty theaters, in the empty stadiums. Hope is setting the stage for a comeback. When life's victories will be sweeter, we'll celebrate how far we've come and learn that all we did we did for each other. Spread hope, not COVID. Michigan.gov slash coronavirus. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services.